Hello and welcome to Quick Hits, a podcast brought to you by Borealis Threat Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, and with this particular podcast, I want to continue my review of the Netflix series Caliphate, which is a Swedish production about Islamic State or ISIS and the planning of a terrorist attack in Sweden. I've been trying to watch this series with an eye to looking at how realistic it is, both from a security intelligence perspective as well as from a terrorist perspective. We're now at episode 7. This is the penultimate episode. It's all going to come together next episode, I suppose, so we're sort of left on the edges of our seats as usual. And there are eight major themes in episode 7 that I want to pick up on, but basically to give you the 10-minute tour of what happens in the episode, of course, at the end of last episode, Lisha, the younger sister of Suleika, was taken to Raqqa into Syria, where she'd become part of Islamic State. Uh, Suleika and Karima have been forced back to Sweden. Suleika's father and a Sapo, which is the Swedish security service agent named Kalle, went to rescue them and brought them back. So we have that dynamic going on. Fatima is still a running rogue, as Fatima does in this series, which is, yeah, whatever. Doesn't seem realistic to me. And of course, we're learning more about the terrorist attack that is being planned in Sweden. What are the themes that I wanted to pick up on today was that Lisha, of course, is, is young. She's, she's quite young. I think she's 13 years old. Maybe she's older than that. She was a last minute addition to this, to the trip to, to Raqqa, to Islamic State. Remember, she was in the car when Sulika went there with, with, uh, with, with Krima and, and Alicia was there as well. And Ibe said, well, she has to go as well. Anyhow, she arrives at this, this center. And it's, what's interesting is that it, it becomes quite clear that the European women who join Islamic State are treated differently than the Syrian and other Middle Eastern women. Because Lisha doesn't have any money, Sulika had all the money, she can't pay to go to a better welcoming center where the Europeans are. So she's forced to stay with the, I guess, the lower classes, if I can use that term, where they all sleep in the same room and they all eat together. And of course, she's going to be forcibly married. I found this quite quite intriguing and actually quite realistic. I had heard that when it came to the foreign fighters for Islamic State, foreign fighters who came from Western countries like Canada, United States and Western Europe were paid more highly than the other Middle Eastern, North African fighters. So there was a discriminatory system in place. It seems like the Westerners were seen as better and therefore deserved more pay. And that seemed to apply to the women as well. The other issue that, that surrounds Leisha, of course, is this, this forced marriage. And this is an interesting twist in the plot. Pervin, of course, is trying to get out with her baby Latifa, uh, who Sam is being a dick and has basically disowned her for being raped. And so Pervin is in the back of a car waiting to be whisked out of Raqqa back to Sweden. And she gets a call from, from Fatima, the SEPO, Swedish Security Service agent, who wants her to go help Leisha. And after a long back and forth, Pervin decides, yes, she's going to help Leisha because she's a fellow Swede. And she talks to Hussein, comes groveling back 
to Purvin. Remember, Sam has said, you're dead to me because she was raped by Ahmed before Purvin killed Ahmed. Hussam, who has the emotional range of a doorknob, decides to beg forgiveness for Purvin. She says, whatever, you're going to marry Alicia. You're, we're going to rescue this girl and you're going to marry her. And so there's this interesting scene where Alicia is being about to be married off to this old fart. It's got to be at least five times her age. And, you know, this typical pervert who wants to marry a teenage girl. And just as the marriage uh, contract is being signed, Hussam breaks in with Pervin and says, no, I'm going to marry her. And there's a scene where some guns are brandished. But interestingly, Hussam says, I'm with the Uthman Brigade. Now, I'm not familiar with the Uthman Brigade, but Uthman was the third caliph of Islam after the Prophet Muhammad. And so I'm guessing the Uthman Brigade was a very high-ranking brigade within Islamic State. And he convinces the old guy, and he gives him some money, that, that he's going to marry uh, Alicia instead. What I found interesting about this was that it, you know, it points to this, that women were basically treated like cattle. It, these were transactions. This wasn't love. This wasn't romance. There was Women had no say in this. They were married off to people just because the men said so. And this is so typical of a terrorist group, like Islamic State. Unfortunately, it's also typical of many faiths whereby women have no say in their spouses, forced marriages, arranged marriages, etc., etc. So I, I don't want to go off on, on criticizing a lot of the world's religions. But suffice to say that in a lot of the world's religions, uh, women are in fact second-class citizens. So, yeah. The other interesting thing about Alicia is that she's basically interrogated when she arrives and she's asked about her knowledge of Islam. Alicia knows nothing about Islam. She wasn't wearing the hijab back in Sweden. She was a last minute addition to the trip. And so her knowledge is zero. This is actually quite typical of a lot of Westerners that joined ISIS, including the men. In fact, we know of many cases whereby these guys actually had Islam for dummies in their knapsacks when they were caught. Their knowledge was so bad that they had to bring Islam for dummies with them to help them understand the faith for which they were going to die and fight and become martyrs. What are you doing here? We uh, need to borrow your car. Something's wrong with the clutch in our car. Speaking of martyrs, the two idiot brothers, Jakob and Emil, uh, it turns out they're the terrorists. They're the ones that are going to carry out a suicide bombing. And they're convinced that they're going to become martyrs. And they're going to go to Jannah. They're going to go to paradise. So they, there's a pretty good scene here where uh, both Jacob and Emil, they've got these two big duffel bags, which are going to be used in the terrorist attack. And I'll get back to that in a second. And there's a scene where they check into a hotel, I, probably the night before or the day before the attack's about to be planned. And they both get into the shower, not together, as far as I can tell. Uh, they start shaving all of their body hair. Now, why would you do that? This is actually very, very typical of Islamist extremists who are preparing for suicide operations. There's some kind of dictum that you can't go into paradise with anybody here. And that includes pubic hair, by the way. Everything's shaved off. Apparently, you have to be completely, you know, naked as a baby when you go to Jannah and you get your virgins and all the other bullshit that the uh, Islamic State terrorist groups promise you. So that I, I found to be actually quite compelling. Speaking of the terrorist plot, it looks like Ibe, he's a guy that, you know, got the girls to go to, to Raqqa, and Ibe is essentially trying, helping to plan this attack, 
it looks like he is targeting an ecumenical meeting. So he goes to talk to the organizers of this, this, this big meeting. They're going to be Roman Catholic priests. They're going to be moderate Sunni imams. They're going to be Shia imams. They're going to be other Christian denominations. So it appears that the terrorist attack is going to focus on anybody that Islamic State thinks are apostates or kufar, infidels. And this is extremely reflective of what Islamic State or any Islamist extremist group thinks for that matter. If you don't believe the same way that I do, you don't count and you don't deserve to live and you deserve to die. So it looks like the terrorist attack is going to do exactly this. Finally, there's an interesting scene where Sapo gets Sulika and Karima back from Turkey. They fly back and they interrogate them. Why do they interrogate them? Well, as they make it quite clear in the interview, they don't see Sulika and Karima as criminals. They haven't committed any criminal offense. What they want to do is they want to get to the ringleader. They want to get to the recruiter. They want to get to the man and our woman who convinced these two young girls to travel to Islamic State and become brides of the Mujahideen or whatever these wankers call themselves. I, I did find this, this quite realistic. Uh, I do think it's true that, you know, there's probably no real desire on behalf of these young women to actually go. They were brainwashed. They were coerced into believing this is the path they had to take. So I found it interesting that Seppo would try to get get to the leader, but through them. Although I do have a question about whether or not they have the authority to interrogate minors. Karima is definitely a minor, and I think Sulika is probably on the on somewhere on the cusp. I don't know what Swedish law says about this, but in Canada, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be able to, to interrogate anyone. Although Sulika's father, Suleiman, is I believe present when. They're interrogated. And finally, uh, Surika, who's been angry since her father rescued her, uh, she says kidnapped from Islamic State, uh, is finally coming around and realizing that, you know, her sister's stuck there. She's probably going to be married or raped, whatever. And so Surika basically uh, spills the beans and says that Ibe is the person who recruited her. And then we have this scene where uh, Karima uh, is now, Karima tries to kill herself, by the way. She tries to hang herself because she realizes the gig is up. She somehow gets a, fo- a phone off a nurse in a hospital where she's recovering from, from near death. And she warns Ibe that Seppo was on, the, on their way to interrogate him. And of course, they show up. And anyway, Ibe somehow escapes. Look, I don't know. There has to be a solution. We have... Suleika. So that's it for episode number seven. And, uh, you know, the cliffhanger, we'll see what happens in episode number eight. Will, in fact, Leisha get rescued? Will, in fact, the terrorist attack be thwarted? I guess you'll have to wait and see. I'll have to wait and see. And you'll have to wait and see what I think of it. Next time you hear from me on this, it'll be with episode number eight, the denouement of Caliphate, the Swedish series. What do you think? Are you watching the series? Do you like it? What do you think of my reviews from a security intelligence and terrorism perspective? You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also contact me on LinkedIn or on Facebook. If you like this content and like the other content on my website, please go to www.borealisthreadmers.com. Hit a subscribe button, fill in your information, and you'll get a free daily digest of all my podcasts and all my blogs. No charge, into your inbox, first thing in the morning. I'll talk to you again soon. We'll see what happens in episode eight. Until then, stay safe.